I am delighted that you have found the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. I'm Angela Cox, your host and indeed the Mindset Mentor, and I'll be interviewing executives and founders at the top of their game to find out what lies beneath. I want to know what makes people proud, how they define success, what holds them back and indeed what drives them forward. This is authentic and natural conversation with the best in the business. So listen in, enjoy and if you love what you hear, please do leave a review. And now, over to today's guest. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to today's podcast, which is a little bit different to the ones that we normally do because you are going to be a fly on the wall in my coaching room. I have got a fabulous client on the other side of this Zoom call. So, in a moment, I'm going to welcome him. Rob is a very successful business owner, and I've known him for quite a while personally but I've never worked with him before in a coaching capacity. He is on the other side looking quite nervous. So Rob, hello to you. It's a very sunny day. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Other than you've read my body language and I'm a bit nervous about what's going to be like unveiled. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it as well. I like a challenge. Unveiled is a good word because I do like to kind of get under the skin of what's going on. And I asked you to think about that, didn't I, on Friday when you volunteered for this. And I said, think about something that makes you feel ugh when it happens. So you might fight or flight or freeze and get a horrible feeling in your body. So I left you with that thought on Friday and it's now Monday. So what came to mind over the weekend? Yeah. So I think there's one thing that just I kept coming back to of like, and this doesn't happen often. It's like if I'm kind of aggressively confronted. So like I can think of a couple of times it's happened where I don't go out much. I'm a bit boring. But if I've been on a night, a night out and someone who's quite like a drunk guy will come over and just sort of start talking, but in an aggressive way, like sort of like I'm like, I, I don't know how to react to this. I, could, I just freeze. Interestingly, I could remember a similar situation where I did this SAS style course Okay. Back and they interrogated us so that it was pretty scary. It was run by some of the people from SAS Who Dares Wins on TV. Mm-hmm. They ambushed us. We thought we were trying to get some information from someone in a van. And then these terrorists got out the back. They were mock terrorists, but it was still very scary with guns. <laughs> they confronted us. They made us get on the floor. They were swearing at us, shouting at us, put in the back of the van, put these hoods on us and took us somewhere. And then we had these to do these stress positions. And then they put us into obviously, this is a stressful situation. This is worse yeah. than the other one, but the same thing came up. They put us in all these positions. Then we were, were kind of taken into these, I think they were containers. We couldn't see what we were taken into and then sort of interrogated as if it was kind of like a, a real interrogation. And I just, I just decided I was not going to say a single thing. And they were like, your colleagues are going to die. And I was like, I'm just not speaking. I just didn't speak the entire time. And I didn't know. I was like, I, I just couldn't figure out what to do. So even though you knew that that was like a role play scenario, the impact on your body when you can't see, number one, because you're They did take the mask off for the interrogation, actually. So you could see, but I was confronted again of like, tell us what's happening, tell us what's going on. 
you know, why are you here? Are you in the military? And it was all a mock thing, but I I just decided I was not going to speak. And that was the toughest thing to do. I don't really know. It must be really hard in that position when you know it's a mock scenario, but it feels so real. Your brain must be going, what the hell is going on around here? So yeah, it's pretty scary. <laughs> it was. And I can relate to it because I remember in my RAF days doing some training and being, you know, kind of sent off in the middle of nowhere in this van. And then we were ambushed by the so-called enemy. Yeah. And it is really scary. Your body does go into that fight or flight scenario. So I can relate. I couldn't fly. I think that was the other thing. I couldn't, because we were shut in like a container for the interrogation. It was like, I can't rely on what I usually would do, which is like be, you know, quite fit. Yeah, and escape from it. (laughs) (laughs) You can't escape. Okay, so you remember that feeling from then. There's more recent ones where you've been in a situation in a bar or whatever, and you're being confronted. Mm. So what we can do, if you wish is to track back and try and understand where the root of that comes from. Because it's probably something when you are much smaller, where you've been in a situation with a group of friends or a parent or whatever that has created that connection that is creating that fear response. So we could go back and have a look and see where that takes us. But in order to do that, we have to be able to go into the most recent time so probably the one where you were in the bar, because that was yeah. the real scenario. And then we'll see where that tracks back to. And we'll do that in a kind of semi-hypnosis way. Yeah. So when I say that, I'm not going to put you under into deep hypnosis, because we don't need to do that. So let's say your dog walker was to, I know your dog has gone out for a walk. If your dog walker came back. Yeah. You'd be able to hear the doorbell and you'd be able to hear the door opening. That's handy. (laughs) Yeah. So you're not going to go sort of deep into hypnosis, but we're just going to be in an eyes closed scenario so that you can focus on the memory and we can track our way back. Yeah, that's fine. You look terrified, Rob. (laughs) I'm just thinking if the dog walker knocks on the window, but she'll have to deal with it. We can deal with every eventuality. So don't worry. If anything happens like that, we're literally... Open your eyes, we pause, and you can go and sort out what you need to do. So don't worry. You can tell I like to plan for the unexpected, can't you, now? (laughs) (laughs) All my weird traits are coming out. There's nothing wrong with your traits. They're wonderful. Right, so So, shut my eyes. Well, let me explain it to you a little bit more first, and then you can get your planning brain ready. So (laughs) what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment is close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you to go back into the scene watching Rob in that bar. So you're going to be, just like this is a fly-on-the-wall scenario, people listening to us, you're going to be a fly-on-the-wall observing that version of you. So I don't want you to step into your shoes. I want you to be watching the memory and see what's going on. And then as you start to observe it, I want you to start to play that back to me. So you're kind of bringing it to life for me and for the listeners so that we can get a picture of what's going on in this memory. And as part of this, because we want Rob to feel more comfortable in that scenario, we might use some tapping and tap on him. Okay, so this is a bit weird and wonderful, but also it works brilliantly. So you've just got to kind of keep an open mind and go with it. Yeah. So what I'm going to be asking you to do is to tap on yourself in the chair. So you tap on the top of your head. Okay. And the corner of your eyebrow and then the side of your eye. And under your eye. 
So you're just yeah. following through with me. And then above your lip. And then on your chin. And then on the collarbone, right on the edge, the inner corner of the collarbone. And the tapping is like really gentle as if you're like tapping on a little baby. Okay. Yeah, so we don't want like whacking. No. <laughs> nice and gentle, Rob. <laughs> so you are going to tap on yourself in the chair at key points in the memory. Okay. And then I'm also going to ask you, so two things at once, to tap on you in the memory. So what will happen is you'll be tapping on the top of your head there, and then you'll imagine tapping on you in the okay. memory. That makes yeah. sense? Like two things yeah. at once. It's hard, I know. But I've heard things about tapping. I've never tried it, so I'm quite excited to try it. <laughs> love it so we're going to tap on you and we're going to tap on the version of you in the memory and i'll just talk you through the points because you'll have your eyes closed okay it's clear as mud i know but all will become easy yeah and then you'll find out what we'll do then as soon as we've done the tapping we'll do something else and we'll just go with it from there that's as much as you need to know okay happy with that yeah yeah, yeah you're just going to go with it you're embracing it i love it okay so I want you to get yourself in a nice, comfortable position. Make sure your feet are planted on the floor. Yeah. And then I want you to just take your eyes down, close them, and just spend a few moments bringing that memory to life in your imagination. And remember that you're a fly on the wall, so you're literally just going to be observing that version of you. And once you've got that, you can just start to explain to me what you're seeing. And what that version of you is feeling. So I'm seeing a bar in London. I don't remember where, but I'm seeing it. So we've got these yellow, yellowy lights. And there's someone approaching me. And they look kind of drunk, but also kind of like, aggressive so I, I don't know how they're carrying themselves but they they're taller than me and they're kind of coming over mm -hmm. and then they start to to say something I, I can't remember what they said and I can't imagine it either really but I can hear from the tone of their voice that it's kind of a confrontational thing and they grab me or push me can't quite see and then I'm just there sort of freezing and sort of shrinking in terms of body language, I suppose. How does that version of you feel? How would you describe it? It feels sort of weak. Weak. Okay. And afraid. Okay. I want you to put those people on pause. In fact, pause all of the sound in that environment so that there's just you on play <clears throat> and now that you've done that i want you to imagine tapping in the way that we described earlier so i want you to tap on you in the chair on the yeah. top of your head and i want you to imagine tapping on you in that memory tap on the top of rob's head yeah and then move to the inner corner of the eyebrow just above the nose and tap there that's it. And then to the side of the eye. And then just below the eye. 
And then above the lip and tapping on him as well. And then on the chin. And then on the inner corner of the collarbone. And then I want you to just stop the tapping and I want you to just observe that version of you. You can just stop the tapping, observe that version of you and just notice how he's feeling now that you've tapped. I want you to connect with that version of you and ask him to take you to an earlier time when he's had a similar feeling to the one that he was experiencing. That feeling of shrinking back, that feeling of weakness. And just as the memories start to flash in, I want you to choose the first one that comes, that similar feeling of weakness. And then when you've got that one, let me know. Yeah. And how old are you in this one? Must be like 13. You're 13. And where are you? At school. And can you be a fly on the wall in that memory for me and just describe what's happening? Yeah. So I remember I was in the, I guess not really playground at secondary school, but in this area by the the swimming pool where all of my year would hang out. And again, I remember someone called Alex Land, who was in my class, who was sort of confronting me in a similar way. And I can't remember what he was saying, but I remember I didn't know what to say back. And it was, it was difficult to, to kind of, again, articulate what I wanted to say. I just felt like I wish I was physically stronger or meant, you know, verbally able to, to kind of fight back, but I didn't know. And anything I said was kind of being mocked. Okay. It's a horrible feeling. And where can that version of Rob feel that in his body? Is it in his stomach or is it somewhere else? Yeah, in the stomach, I suppose. Like a sinking, sickly feeling. Okay. Let's put the boy on pause and just keep you on play for me. And we're going to go in and do the tapping once again. Mm. I want you to tap on you in the chair there. Yeah. On the top of your head, and imagine tapping on that 13-year-old version of Rob. So just gently tapping through in the corner of the eyebrow. And the side of the eye. And this just helps those feelings to dissipate. And under the eye. 
And as you're doing this, I want you to just let that version of Rob know that you're proud of him and that he is strong. And above the lip. But he's not a bully. And on the chin. And just keep letting him know that you're there with him. And then the corner of the collarbone. And then just stop with the tapping for a moment. And just observe that version of you. That feeling of weakness, that feeling of not being able to speak up. And what we want that version of you to do is to be able to show you an earlier time where he's had that same feeling, feeling weaker, not being able to speak up, not being able to find the words. And again, just see if a memory flashes in. And then if one of those comes, just let me know. I think I have something. Okay. How old are you in this one? I can't remember. Maybe five, maybe seven, some, somewhere around that age. Well, a little boy. <laughs> little boy in this one. Yeah. And what can you see, Rob? What's going on? I can see at home and I'm being told off because I haven't, I said I'd brush my teeth, but I'd lied about brushing my teeth. Oh, my boy does that all the time. Yeah. Common. And what's happening as a result of that? I'm getting shouted at by my dad. And it's okay. I'm just sort of shrinking away. Obviously, feeling awful. We've got that really. Horrible mix, haven't we, of knowing that you've lied. So there's the sort of feelings that are wrapped around that. Yeah. And then the being found out. Yeah. And being shouted at by somebody bigger. Yeah. And that little version of you then, as this is happening, who's there? Who else is there? I think it's just us. It's just you and dad. Mm. Can you put your dad on pause for me? in the memory I want you to just go in and this time I want you to give that version of you a hug which is probably in that moment when he's feeling quite scared it's probably Mm. what he needed so just give him a hug and let him know that he's okay and that you're with him and I want you to just tap through again so tap the top of your head and tap the top of his head 
and just keep letting him know that he's okay. And then the inner corner of the eyebrow. And the side of the eye. Dad's probably a bit stressy today. So the reactions are probably a little bit bigger than they need to be under the eye. We want this little version of Rob to know that this sort of lying about brushing teeth is dead normal. This is what kids do. And above the lip. So you don't really have time for teeth brushing when you're six and seven. So many more exciting things to do. And then on the chin. But we want him to know that lying, just don't need to do that. Just tell the truth. When you tell the truth, people are less angry. And then in the inner corner of the collarbone. And then you can stop the tapping, Rob, and I'd like you to put that little version of you on balls for a minute. And then just put your dad back on play. I want you to go in as the adult version of you now into that memory and just have a hug with your dad and just connect with your dad in that moment where he's being angry and just notice that you're the same. You know, you're the same. You're a grown man. He's a grown man. There's nothing to fear. And just notice he's a stressed out dad. Just wants his little boy to brush his teeth. And just notice that his reaction is probably a little bit over the top. As parents do. But connect with him in that moment. And then bring that little version of you back onto play. We want to just ask that little version of you whether this is the first time he's felt these feelings of being weaker. Or if he's had an earlier experience of those feelings. And just ask him if there is an earlier one or if this is the first. What does he think? He's not really sure. <laughs> That's not a very useful answer, is it? No, it's really normal, Rob, honestly, because you're you're really early now in in terms of memories. So there might be one before, but he might not be willing to show us or he just might not remember. Hmm. But there's nothing flashing into your mind at this point. No. Okay. So let's have a look at this memory then in a little bit more detail. So what I'd like you to consider is what that version of you needed to happen that day 
in order to feel better about this situation. So we don't want him to be in a situation where he'd brushed his teeth in the first place because he didn't brush his teeth and this was the kind of the key moment that created the feeling. So you want a situation where he's been found out for having not brushed his teeth. But from that moment, we want it to play out differently. So in order for that little boy to feel safe and to feel strong, what did his dad or indeed his mom or somebody else need to do to make that situation feel better? Given a chance to say my side of it. Okay. Did. So I'd like you to create a movie now in your mind of your dad finding out you've not brushed your teeth and him asking you why and you being able to explain and him accepting that explanation but allowing you to realize that not okay to lie but in a way that makes that version of you feel like he's got a voice and feel safe so I want you to try and play that movie and just let me know if you've got that and if it feels okay mm-hmm. yeah got that Okay. I want you to keep watching that movie, Rob, and just keep playing it over and over again. And and give me a word that explains how that little version of you feels. One word, sorry, but maybe either heard or important. Oh, okay. So heard and important, Mm. like you matter. Mm. Nice. Okay, so we just want you to be watching that movie and noticing how your dad looks now. Does it feel better for that little version of you? Yeah. So he feels heard and he feels important. So what I'd like you to do is imagine now as you're watching that movie, I want you to keep playing it over and over again. And as you watch it, I want you to imagine that there's a light all the way around the picture, almost like a neon frame. And I want you to give that frame a colour. So what colour would the light be? So white light. White light. Hmm. So watching that movie with the white light all around it, I want you to imagine now that that white light is coming in through the top of your head. And I want you to feel sort of a warm light just filling up every single cell and every single fiber in your head. And as it does, it brings with it a voice. And it's a voice that you can use whenever you're in a position of conflict. It's a voice that you can use in a really calm way to be able to say your piece, to be able to stand your ground without matching and becoming a bully. 
And as that white light flows down into your head and brings that voice with it, I want you to imagine that it's coming down over your chest, down over your shoulders. And it's flowing down both of your arms and down your spine. It's going to come all the way down into your core and bring in with it that belief that you matter and that what you have to say is important. But actually, you can do that in a way that's non-aggressive. And you can deal with people who are aggressive in the right way, bringing with it that real strength of knowing that what you have to say matters. And as it reaches your core, I want you to imagine it flowing down through your hips, down your thighs, over your knees. And then it's going to shoot down your legs and out through the soles of your feet and ground you in that sense of knowing that you have a voice and that your voice matters. And when you're in these positions of conflict, you'll find that voice. There's no need to feel weak. There's no need to feel afraid. And I want you to now draw that white light up from the earth and all the way back up into your heart. And just put your hands on your heart for me. Because from there, I want you to imagine sending that white light out. So you're going to send it out in every direction. And you're going to send it to anybody who's ever felt weak in that position. Anyone who's ever felt like they've frozen and they've lost their voice when they felt threatened. And just allow anyone who feels like that to feel what it feels like now in this moment with the white light. Allow any version of Rob who's ever felt that feeling to be filled with this white light. That knowing that you matter and that your voice will come and the weakness will dissipate and with it will come strength. I want you to now draw that white light back from the universe. Draw it all the way back into your heart so that in every single interaction that you have moving forward, you'll find your voice and you'll find that strength. And the fear will dissipate and you'll know that you matter and that nobody can ever make you feel small. You'll stand in your power and you'll own it in the right way. And as a reminder, I want you to watch that movie one more time with you and your dad. That little version of you finding the strength to say what's on his mind, to stand up for himself in the right way. And as you watch that movie one last time, I want you to shrink it down and make it really small, that movie screen. Tiny, tiny movie screen. I want you to just imagine drawing it in towards you and bring it back into your subconscious. There's a new version of that memory that you can anchor to moving forward now. 
and remembering this white light of strength. And that little boy who was able to stand up to his dad and say what was on his mind. I want you to just embody that feeling. And then just take a nice breath. And then whenever you're ready, you can just open your eyes again. How's that? Strange feeling now. (laughs) (laughs) It was not what I expected, but it was... Like the memories I could kind of trace back. Like there's they're definitely strong memories for a reason, but the, the feelings are different doing it that way. Feels quite well, certainly for me, it feels quite real when you do the reprint of the memory and sort of you're speaking up in, in, in yours. As you watch that, it becomes real. Did you feel like that? Yeah, there's a lot of like flashing in my mind. I don't know what that was. I like this light sort of, I don't know. I think there was a lot of stuff sort of processing, but there's nothing else that came out. I'm like, it's probably other stuff, but nothing else. But sometimes you can get back to when you were one or two and there'll be a memory there. Hmm. But you need to be able to have the trust of that little version of you, which sounds a bit woo-woo, but once you sort of work with your past memories quite a lot then more and more of them come to the fore and you're able to go back and deal with other ones yeah but the connectivity between that you in the pub and that feeling can you see the connectivity between that and the memory that you went to when you were six or seven yeah that same sort of confrontational scenario yeah yeah So let's talk about that transactionally. When you're in that position and you need to speak up, what are some of the the ways that you know that you can do that? Well, we talked about planning, probably planning. (laughs) If I can anticipate like everything, then I can kind of have a response for everything that I've kind of pre-planned. They might say this, I might say that. But that's why if I don't have that, then I'll freeze because I often rely on kind of having a strategy for things and I'm not not so good without that are you like that with with everybody in your life or are there certain people that you can just free flow with yeah I mean in confrontation I think I'm like that with everything like in like I always feel like I can articulate myself if I can get out of the situation whether it's a fight at home you know or something silly or something else like or an issue of work. Like I, if I can like take five minutes, I can process it and then I can come back and explain my feelings. Otherwise, I just like, I don't know, maybe it's probably linked to all these other things. I feel like it just sort of it's like a sort of out of control. I'm just scared of like, what I might say or do, because I just know I'll say something or do something stupid or destructive. Whereas if I can come out, the emotions kind of dissipate and then I yeah. can then I can. Elo- you know, eloquently say what I want to say. So you're in those moments, and if you're right, if you're with your girlfriend and you're having a discussion that becomes a bit more conflict, yeah, um, there's more conflict wrapped around it. In that situation, 
you'll either freeze, which is one mm. of the things that you do, is one of the other things that you do then say the wrong thing. Yeah, definitely in the past. I think I've learned from that to do that a lot less. But now we just don't, yeah, I'll freeze. And again, because of planning, so sometimes I'll actually be able to kind of diffuse it a bit. And because I know the situation, I think when I don't, when I know the person, I find it a bit easy because I kind of know ways that I've figured out to diffuse it again. But if it's a completely random person, that's when I'm like, I just don't have a clue how to negotiate this. Okay. And so your go-to position is to move away, work through scenarios in your head. And what's the outcome that you're hoping for when you're working through the scenarios? Yeah, it's a good question. First of all, to get away from the conflict, I think, like, I, again, I, I'm aware of this now. I like, need to actually come to a productive resolution. But the, the initial one is just, like, you know, diffuse it, I think, maybe from those memories with my dad and stuff where he would get really angry, was really stressed all the time, and just, like, why well, have a handle? I just wanted to get, like, away from that. Okay. Or, like, stop it. <laughs> so I still think it is a legacy of that. I just, like, I just wanted to stop. <laughs> Okay, and you've learned that if you're quiet, things stop. Mm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Never really thought of that before, but clearly, yeah, that it did, did tend to work as a child. Eventually, it'd run out of steam. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Where there's a threat, which is the same as in the pub, where there's a threat, if you just shrink back and stay quiet, mm. then ultimately you're not going to get hurt. Yeah. But in reality, that probably doesn't work out quite so well in closer relationships where conversation is required. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I am aware I can now come back and have the conversation. But for some reason, I still feel like it's a lot easier for me if I can get away from no it. Way. I think because the emotional thing is like there's a battle between like the part of me that's like wants to fight, which I'm maybe a bit afraid of, I don't know, of what might say or like if it's in a confrontation, like part of me is like fight the person. And I'm like, I've never done it. I mean, I've done lots of martial arts and stuff, but I was like, I'm, I don't know. I never, never done it, but I'm afraid of like this, what the outcome. So instead I'll just go to free. How do you feel about win or lose? In what scenario? So just as a general concept, a general concept. which do you prefer? Oh yeah. Winning. <laughs> I once got told, this, you find this interesting, I did an interview for a Formula One team when I was in engineering and they came back with my personality test and they said, you've kind of put that you want to win at all costs and they, in this, and we're concerned about that. And at the time I was like 21 and I didn't really get it. I was like, hey, maybe this is why you're not the best F1 team if you're concerned about this because it was one that wasn't that high up. And I was like, yeah, that, obviously that is the, if you want to win in F1, you should win at all costs kind of thing. And I didn't mean it like at the expense of someone else or in an untrustworthy way, but just that's my default. It's like, I definitely go towards win and I don't like losing. <laughs> there was a time with my grandma where I flipped the whole Scrabble board over as a child. I still remember that. <laughs> she said, you want me to, do you want me to let you win or, or, or play properly kind of thing? And I think I just flipped over and left. You're escaping from the situation. The reason I asked you about the winning or the losing is it is a really interesting thing to dig under the skin of because if you believe that you can't win and winning is important to you, mm. one of the ways that you'll protect yourself is to come out of the situation. Basically not compete, like say I'm not. Exactly. 
yeah, get yourself out of it. But what that will do to you from a subconscious perspective is quite damaging because that version of you that potentially wants to win, that's taken himself out of the race, then might feel crap about himself because he's not actually done it. And this is that interesting word that you use, that weak word. Hmm. So in terms of self-value and self-esteem, if you're taking yourself out of the race because you're worried that you won't win, that actually can be more diminishing to your self-esteem than playing in the race and coming second. And I think I will play the races I like. Not Yeah, maybe no, I can win. I was going to say not that, but maybe like through work and business, I know I'm good at it or through fitness. Although I still won't really compare myself to the best athletes at my gym because I know, again, I know I can't beat them most of the time. Interesting. In personal conflict, I just don't feel very strong in that. So I take myself out of the situation, like you said. I don't feel like I have a fighting chance. Or the way I'll win is not a way I want to win, you know, like fighting the person in the bar. I'm like, that's not. Yes. Yes. That's, I mean, that's kind of losing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't want you to engage in physical fighting. No. Definitely not. But if we bring it back to your relationships at work and your relationships at home, mm. then from an authenticity perspective, coming out of the situation, preparing your case, and then going back in again. That's you preparing to make sure that you win Mm. and then going back in. Whereas speaking from the heart in that moment and allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to lose or to come second Mm. will mean that the real Rob is able to have a voice rather than the one that kind of stage manages here and then enters back in. So how could you challenge yourself in some of your safe relationships Mm. to stop doing that pause stage manage and re-enter and actually start to come a bit more from the heart? Good question. (laughs) Because all all I'm thinking now is other scenarios where I have slipped up from the heart and it's, you know, it's caused a load of issues. Because, because again, what you say emotionally, I don't know if it's about winning or losing. Maybe it is, but I'll say things that are like not really, you know, they they're almost like because you feel wounded, you say something back to like wound them kind of thing, and then or like you know, yeah, retaliate kind of thing, and that's like the other thing I'm scared of is like you know, you say things that are irreparable or at least cause a lot of damage that people don't forget. So. Interesting. So in that moment where you're in the conflict, mm. there's a propensity for you to say things that you don't mean. If you Yeah, well, probably not because I take myself out of it, but I have done it in the past. And like I had a relationship in the past where anything I said was always brought back up. Okay. And used against me. So like I just I was like anything I say will be like brought back up three to six months later and thrown in my and used as like justification for anything or like to shut down any, like make anything I did not count. Okay. So you've had a relationship where that's been tricky, Mm -hmm. which has further made you stage manage the things that you're having to do. How much stress does that put you under stage managing everything? Yeah, probably a lot. (laughs) I would say less, less so now in, I'm in a relationship where I feel like I can say what I want a lot more 
which is good, right? And that I feel like I don't need to stage manage it. Like it was that was very stressful in that relationship because I felt like yeah. I could ever say anything because I just didn't know how it'd be misconstrued. But yeah, the short is still quite exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was everything in work, I'm stage managing every like you know that's my role. So then I could do with less stage managing elsewhere. You're like constantly planning to be successful, yeah. constantly planning the conversations that you have. And yet you've not planned for this conversation because I didn't really tell you very much about it. No. <laughs> and, and you're perfectly fine. Yeah, it's true. So when you are just rob and speak from the heart, in terms of authenticity, it comes through. Yeah. And I'm slowly learning it, I think. I do feel more confident with that. And so I, I was happy to do this, whereas I probably wouldn't have been 10 years ago. But yeah, I was thinking about this earlier because that, that situation, the school bullying sort of one, there's been a lot of like trying to prove myself ever since those scenarios. And tell me how you prove yourself. What would you do to prove yourself? Be strong or look strong. <laughs> Yeah. You know, be significantly more successful than that person so that I can always be like, you know, I'm being, <laughs> yeah, you're completely yeah. important. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's quite sad when you think about it. <laughs> no, it's really normal, isn't it? Because you've been stamped on by somebody. Mm. And in that moment, you didn't feel strong enough to stamp back, which yeah. you know, actually shows you a good person in lots of ways. But of course, you'd want to be able to prove that. You've made it and kind of say ha ha to that person. But what we want to be able to do is let go of that mattering. Yeah. Because it only matters for you what you become and who you are rather than it being about him. I weirdly have some attachment to like wanting that as fuel, which sounds really bad, but I'm like, I kind of know it's there. Like, done enough self inquiry to be like, I know there's some motivation from like dark places. Yeah, I think probably most people have who have pushed themselves, but I think the letting go is difficult because I'm like, I kind of also like the result, but maybe <laughs> I think I'm also scared of if I didn't have that, would I just sort of give up? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having drivers. There's nothing wrong with that. There's part of me that wonders whether that drive to prove yourself is really about the boy at school or whether it's about something bigger. It might be about my relationship with my dad. <laughs> Never feeling would, yeah. Enough. Usually it is for men, isn't it? <laughs> have a relationship with him now. Yeah. And is it's he proud? Good now. Yeah, and he has said that. And that doesn't mean a lot because it took a long time to get to that point. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there's been a number of times where I think I've kind of proven myself, not that you should have to. Yeah, they don't really worry about me too much now. But I think you can still just sort of keep going down the same path without <laughs> thinking about it too much. <laughs> You can if you're not listening to the feedback, you know, so he's said that he's proud. He's said that a number of times. Is that enough or do you have to go and prove a little bit more or do you have to go and prove a little bit more? And and it becomes like a, almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where that is just the way that you work Mm. and you achieve something and you're on to the next thing, achieve something onto the next thing. As opposed to being able to really look into what you've done and know that that's okay for you and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks yeah yeah i do get that you, well, you might get it but do you do it 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Sometimes. I kind of go through cycles of like accepting it, being like, I'm good, I'm done, you know, I'm really proud of myself. Yeah, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because it's like, I love it. I love training for fitness and, you know, yeah. competition this weekend. Half of me is scared, half of me is like, like, wants to run away, but half of me just wants to do it. And the same with the business stuff, like half of me is like, this is scary. Like I was saying before we spoke, because we've got a lot bigger. And the other half is like, you know, you could just say like this, but like, <laughs> but then if I hold myself back, there's more people in the world that will make it out. Totally. And what we don't want is to diminish the ambition because mm. the ambition is that. Yeah. And it's purpose driven. And what you do, you're really helping people and you get the fulfillment from the helping people. Yeah. So definitely, you know, you wouldn't want to stop that if that makes you feel fulfilled. It's the reason why you're doing it. Mm. It's the thing to keep questioning around and making sure that you're decoupling that need to prove yourself to other people Mm. and that the driver is about the people that you're helping rather than the people that you're trying to prove that you can win against. Yeah. Because that becomes destructive if things don't quite go right one day. You know, so I know that you wrote a book recently and it became a bestseller. And imagine if that didn't become a bestseller, how that can make you feel if the thing that you're trying to prove is that you can beat these bullies. Yeah, well, I've gone through periods which have not gone very well and it's very difficult. So it's being able to lean into that a little bit more, come from that space of I matter, Mm -hmm. you know, so anchor yourself back to that white light because that's really strong if you're able to do that. And then just be questioning. Every move that you make, be questioning is this for me and the people that I'm trying to help? Or is this about winning for the battles in the past? And if you think that you're going into that one, just do some journaling around it or do some thinking around it so that you can start to move forward in a slightly different way. I understand. I know this probably should be intuitive, but I'm just going to write me or them. Because, yeah, it can flip between the two and I can kind of feel it. Yeah. If the driver is about winning against the bullies, you're more likely to sabotage yourself. Whereas if the driver is about you and others, you're more likely to be successful. Because you won't be pulling out the conversation, got to plan the conversation before I can have it. You'll allow your authentic side to be able to drive you forward. So you'll get more stuff done for a start because you won't have to stop and plan. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of procrastination that probably comes out of it as well, of like wanting to do it, wanting to do it so well that it doesn't, you never even do it because you're trying to you never get it done. Yeah. Because you want it to be the best thing ever, but actually <laughs> you can't operate like that. Well, you can, but like you said, in terms of the outputs that you have they'll be limited because everything will be out there perfect but you know kind of forced as well yeah Mm. yeah and I guess in terms of the women that you work with that isn't the role modeling they want perfection because that for them is kind of like oh my god am I going to live up to this so you know if you can kind of do that experimentation 
type thing that's really going to help. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of this session, which has only been a short one, but if you're going to take one thing away from it, what are you going to do differently? I think just like you said, I don't know where to journal on it because I find I absorb a lot from that and write every day like what did I do this for me did I do it you know to prove the bullies wrong or did I do it for me and the people I'm helping yeah it's very easy to flip back into the old way of operating totally can probably only get you so far in a in a healthy way and then it as you said it can be self-destructive as well Love it. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it's only been an hour. It's been less than an hour that we've we've been on this. And you know, I really it's gone. I mean, I have no concept of time on it. It goes really quick. Yeah. But, you know, it's a short period of time really for us to work together. But what you'll notice with that piece of work, although it feels kind of twee in the moment, you know, with the white light and all of that, in about a week's time, you'll be in a situation where you will act in one way usually. And you'll suddenly go, oh, I don't feel like I want to do that. I want to do something differently. I don't quite know what I want to do yet. And it's almost like the sticky middle, as I call it, where you're not being pulled in the natural direction you would normally, but you need to learn a new way of working. And then you'll figure out your new way of working. And then you'll start flying forward in a different way. I'm excited. (laughs) So when you have that moment, what usually happens is people WhatsApp me and go, and you're not going to believe this, but, and then they tell me about the change. So I look forward to the text message that says, yes, I've already (laughs) planned it in my head. that I'm going to message you when it happens. So there you go. (laughs) We're in tune. So we will end it here in terms of our listeners. So thank you so much for volunteering to be part of this. It's not easy. I know. But I'm really, really thankful that you have. So thank you for having me and thank you for training me on it. It's not something I've ever done and I've found it quite, it's quite fascinating. (laughs) You're very welcome. So lovely listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope that you have enjoyed being a fly on the wall and that you've been able to take something away from this session as well. And if you've loved it, please do leave a review and... I will be back in September with the usual version of the podcast. So I will see you then. And so just like that, we're at the end of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time listening today. And a big thank you from me for taking the time. I'd really love it if you would be able to leave a review because it really does help us to get noticed. And if you haven't already, why not subscribe and then you never miss an episode. I wish you a lovely rest of the day, whatever it is that you're doing. And I hope that you stay safe and well.